0: We move on through another mile, we pass on to...
1: You guys, this is Lost Arts Radio, and this is your host, Richard Sachs. It's nice to see you again. Um, we've got an exciting show. We've been talking to various members of the Five Doctors Group, and these are people that I think need incredible recognition and support any way we can do it. And um, it's always really exciting, and people like to share these videos a lot. So I've been trying for some time, hoping that we could get Dr. Lawrence Pilevsky on, and we finally arranged to do that, which is incredible. And um, it just gives me a lot of hope to talk to somebody within the medical community that is so conscious. I mean, it's really what it comes down to, and that's where wisdom comes from, and we need that for a remedy, not just for medical conditions, but for global conditions right now. And... uh Every country needs to be nationalistic in the good sense, you know, making itself the best place it can for the people to live and an example for everywhere else so we can all cooperate that way on the individual and group and state and national levels. So we have a lot to talk about. The time's going to go by in a flash. And um, we're going to pick out things that are most relevant. And I just want to let you know that Dr. Polevsky, and we'll talk for a minute or two about his credentials, but they're very strong. And it, it's not just in the conventional sense. It's in addition to that, and in addition to getting through the incredible training and programming with common sense still intact, which is an incredible feat that a lot of them don't succeed in. Um, he's also known for practicing integrative and holistic medicine. So we're going to get a chance to talk about that a little bit, too. And uh, welcome, Dr. Polewski. It's, it's really fun to have you here. I appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: So rather than, you know, having me read uh, and in a, my, you know, monotone voice your credentials, why don't you tell people just for a minute enough to let them know you didn't just buy your medical degree, you know, yesterday. It was There's some solid background behind it, a little bit about what kind that is, and then we'll get into your, the current way that you look at medicine.
2: Sure. Well, thank you for that. Um, I graduated uh, New York University School of Medicine in 1987 and uh, did a three-year pediatric residency at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York from 1987 to 1990. And then from 1990 to 1991, I did a one-year fellowship at the uh, Department of Pediatrics Outpatient Department at Bellevue Hospital, which was part of the NYU School of Medicine program. And then for the next nine years, I worked four of the nine years in a pediatric emergency room in the Bronx. And uh, part of that nine years, I worked two and a half years on weekends covering a private practice on the Upper East Side of Manhattan, Mm. and then for five of those nine years, I was at another hospital in New York City. Three of those five years, I ran the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit, and of all the five years, I also covered the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit. I did five calls in-house. I slept overnight, five calls per month for five years, covering uh, emergency deliveries, uh, the Neonatal Intensive Care Unit, the Pediatric ICU, the inpatient pediatric ward, the pediatric emergency room, and anything related to pediatrics in those five days that I was on call uh, overnight. But I also did rounds with medical students and residents, taught medical students and residents. And um, by the year 2000, um, I moved to the Beth Israel Center for Health and Healing, which was one of the first of its kind in the country where a hospital institution created a holistic integrative medical center. And Mm -hmm. I was the only pediatrician there. We had a gynecologist there, a chiropractor, an acupuncturist, psychologist, a homeopath, nurse practitioners. Um, We had um, nurses, nursing assistants, medical assistants. And uh, I was there for two and a half years in private practice in pediatrics, doing holistic integrative pediatric medicine. Then I took some time off, and then since uh, February of 2005, I have been at my current job at the Northport Port Wellness Center uh, in a practice of pediatric and adolescent medicine doing holistic integrative medicine.
1: When did you start getting the idea to get into the holistic part? Because I'm assuming that your education was not covering that.
2: Well, it's interesting because people ask me that question, and my answer is, I didn't get into holistic medicine. Holistic medicine got into me. Because if, if I do what's called a retro – if I use a retrospectoscope, so if I look yeah. through the scope of, of the retrospective perspective, um, I could see that I had started to incorporate holistic approaches without even knowing that I was doing it. And it started in 1986 when I was a third-year medical student, and I had to decide between pediatrics and maybe some other specialty – I decided pediatrics because you know the dean of the NYU School of Medicine said, "Why go to NYU if you're not going to go into medicine or surgery?" And so there was all this pressure to go into medicine. Mm -hmm. When I realized, like, what 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 am I going to do for a 55 year old guy who weighs 300 pounds and smokes three packs of cigarettes a day and is not going to change? What am I going to do? Up the medicines? Find another medicine? And I didn't realize yeah. until well past 10 to 15 years later that that was probably the first spark of my approach to holistic medicine. And my answer was, well, with kids, at least I can make a difference.
1: You mean because they're not as heavily programmed?
2: Well, the, the adults would not really do diet and lifestyle. Uh-oh. They would just want By their now. medications up and, and reduced. And I, that to me, that wasn't medicine.
1: But the parents would get their kids to do it. Well,
2: I would have more of an impact potentially when the kids didn't have that much of a medical history and didn't have as much resistance to doing what was necessary for their growth and development.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I had no idea that that's what I was saying back in the spring of 1986. But it, it sort of opened a door that I wasn't aware of until a good 10, 15 years later.
1: One of the things that's always struck me about that idea is, yeah, it's good to influence kids when it's still really early in their lives. But really what you're doing is becoming a specialist in helping the parents change. Sure. Right.
2: Well, yeah. And, I, you know, I had been working with kids since I'm 10 years old. So I was tutoring kids. I set up a, a tutoring program in fifth grade for children in my, my grade school. I wow. did it fifth and sixth grade. Throughout adolescence, when I would be in class, I would get up at the, in math and calculus, and I would get up and do the homework for the whole class and explain, like, weeks' worth of material just in that class going over the homework. So I was always sort of teaching and, and guiding and yeah. instructing, even from a very early age.
1: Wow. Wow. That's exciting. So for people that don't know... Um, want to ask you a couple of things about the general foundation of holistic approach and what that is, because in conventional medicine, for some reason, it's accepted that most health conditions, I mean, almost by inference, they're a deficiency of toxic chemicals, which they call medicine. And then if you get the right ones and cover up the symptoms, that's your job. And you're saying that there's, there's more to it. There's more depth. So for somebody that's, we like to bring in parts of the audience that have no idea what we're talking about and, and not just the people that already, you know, are familiar with all this stuff. Right. So for the new people, what, what's this holistic thing? What's that about?
2: Okay. So back in the early 1990s, when I was an ER physician, I started noticing that the kids I was seeing were coming in with the same illnesses over and over and over again and i would just give them the treatments i was told to give them and they would get sick again and again and again and again with the same things right and one of the things that occurred to me rather spontaneously was how can i help these kids stop getting sick so much and when i looked at my medical training i saw a void there was nothing there in the training that taught me what brought a human being to a state of illness And symptoms. All I was taught was, if these symptoms present, give this medicine, give this medicine, give this medicine.
1: So it's almost like assuming there's no cause for disease.
2: Well, again, uh, you know, even lighter than that, there's no contributing factor
1: or factors. Yeah, yeah.
2: Because cause, you know, okay, stay away from cause. We want to look more towards contributing factors. And so it just opened my mind to thinking, well, what could I do for them if I don't want to just keep giving them medicine? How could I learn about what what was contributing to their level of health or their level of of symptoms? Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize that there was a whole group of practitioners all over the country and all over the world who did just that. But they didn't practice Western medicine. They practiced chiropractic medicine, homeopathy, naturopathy, Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, herbology. And I thought, what is it that they know that I don't know? Yeah. And what what? So if anything, if anything got me into holistic medicine, it was my curiosity. And my willingness to not know, my willingness to be uncertain about something. And so awesome. I started I started learning all these concepts. The body has the innate capacity to heal. Yeah. These remedies don't treat the symptoms, they support the body to move through the symptoms. I'm like I don't know what in God's name that meant, but I was curious. Right. And I started to seek all these answers in all these other fields of medicine as to how I could help the children in my practice in the hospital and the ER and the neonatal ICU. And I then started to realize that there must be answers in Western medicine. It can't be that every field of medicine understands the body has the innate capacity to heal except Western medicine. It can't be. right, And right. so, I searched back into my textbooks, back into my basic science books, and I found the answers that Western medicine teaches in first and second year of medical school about how the body has the innate capacity to heal and how that the development of symptoms is not a problem, but actually an attempt at a solution to a problem in the body. And that rocked my world, Richard, because it completely upended everything I was taught. Treat symptoms. Symptoms are bad. Get rid of them. Everything is an infection. uh, Send the patient away with a treatment that suppresses the symptoms. Yeah. And I realized, wait a second. If we truly understood the reason the body developed the symptom in the first place, and understood all the factors that could create that stress that would make the body produce all those symptoms, mm-hmm. we could actually identify what was creating the stress in body level, mind level, and spirit level, and change the course of the child's event events. Exactly. And I watched it happen. And every time I watched it happen, I giggled because I didn't know if it would work. Because, you know, the textbooks say one thing, Mm -hmm. but real life says another. And Mm -hmm. for the last 20 plus years, I've been giggling when children get better. You know, a friend of mine asked me about uh, a friend of his son who was erratic and, you know, just misbehaving. He was Mm -hmm. two to three years old, trouble listening, and she wanted to consult with me. And I said to my friend, do me a favor. If the kid is drinking a lot of milk, take the milk out, see what happens. Kid got better. <laughs> now, Western medicine says that's not related. It's a coincidence. That's right. But the mother's experience was, my kid got better when I took this out. No, 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 that's not, that's not happening. It, whatever you're experiencing isn't real because it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. And the mother could stand there and go, but, but I just watched it happen. And Western medicine will say, no, 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 there's no relationship between your child drinking milk and his erratic behavior. And that's where we are in today's world.
1: Yeah. In other words, we know that because I'm a doctor. Right. And I memorized it.
2: Right. But even though the experience is real and in real time.
1: Yeah, that doesn't uh,
2: the medical profession says, no, but that's not possible. Therefore, it isn't right. And I stopped looking at medicine that way, which is why holistic medicine got into me, because I started to see things that I didn't expect to see. That broke down the mantle of Western medicine, medical teaching, which said, we know better and what you experienced doesn't compute because we say it doesn't compute even though your experience is real right we're telling you it's not
1: an example of that is a lot of the kids now you were saying that one one thing you like about treating kids when you first got started is that they have less already ongoing medical problems than the people who are a lot older and don't want to change and have addictions to stuff and things like that but one of the Things that's been happening under the current system is a much higher percentage of kids now have chronic diseases,
2: right.
1: even when they're really young. So, what do you think that is telling people?
2: So, in 2011, there was a study published regarding a survey from 2007 of okay. over 91,000 children. Right, and in that survey. They showed that about fifty four percent of children have at least one of twenty chronic illnesses, yeah including obesity and developmental disorders right that 's fourteen years old,
1: yeah, good point,
2: all right, even though people say it 's a two thousand and eleven study it 's information that 's from two thousand and seven right, and so we keep making this statement. of children have some form of chronic illness. Well, the numbers are higher than that in 14 years. Right. And the most fascinating thing about our current state of affairs is that there's a dead horse on the lawn for 30 years. It smells and it's ugly and no one smells it and no one sees it. And they just walk past it because they can't look at the idea that there is a dead horse. In other words, the emperor has no clothes. The elephant is in the room. Yeah. These vaccines are very, very, very damaging to the human body. And so when the Western medical community and the media and institutions say, oh, vaccines are safe.
1: No, ineffective too.
2: Yeah, no one feels like there's a need to question it, right? And so, all these kids around us are essentially vaccine damaged, and all the studies that we've done on the ground show that vaccinated children have many more chronic illnesses than unvaccinated children. Yeah. And the media and the institutions and the medical doctors and the, and the experts all say, nope, that's not true. Vaccines are safe. And then you have all these parents who have maybe the first or second kid who they watch get vaccine damaged, even though the medical profession says, no, that didn't happen, even though you as the parent watched it happen right in front of you. And then those families have second and third and fourth and fifth kids. And then they choose not to inject their children with these shots. Mm-hmm. And what do they notice in their own homes, Richard? Very, very distinct, much healthier, unvaccinated kids. Yeah, And when they speak about it, what are they told? Nope, you're wrong. Has nothing to do with it. It must be your diet. Oh, wait, but all, all my kids live in the same home. We feed them the same foods. Oh, it must be the air. Uh, yeah, but they're all breathing the same air. Oh, they must be exposed to different toxins. Uh, yeah, they live in the same house. You see, we can't go in.
1: Different genetic expression.
2: Right. Yeah. Um, did you notice that my kids all look alike? Except
1: for the, except for that though. Yeah. So, have you heard Have you heard of a group called the control group? Yes. That what was her name? Julie, I think she was on the show, wow. and and they have this study that they did, and they took the unvaccinated kids and they correlated with vaccinated kids for every disease, heart disease, and all the other stuff, and there are radical differences in every category.
2: No, but that's not true.
1: I know it's not true, but I mean, true. just bringing it up as a point true. of
2: interest. because because people can't go in. Yeah. Because in order to go in, the following things would have to happen. One, you'd have to realize that you were wrong. Two, you'd have to realize that you trusted an authority that did you wrong. Three, you'd have to realize that you gave up your authority to someone who you were convinced knew better than you did. Four, you didn't do your own homework. Five you didn't take responsibility or accountability. Six, you may have hurt yourself. And seven, you may have hurt others. Mm -hmm. And then you have to deal with all of the emotions of that realization. And that's why we're here in this world today, because people aren't willing to go into the unknown into the uncertainty, into the curiosity, into the incorporation of other thought processes other than what's dumped on them from the authority outside. Because any other, any other connection to information, wisdom, knowledge, experience than what the authority outside is telling us would require an inner and an outer revolution. And people just are not ready to go there.
1: Well, it seems like the people that come to your practice are probably self-screened for that. They're the people that are willing to go through all that stuff, right?
2: Some. Not all. Remember, holistic medicine has a spectrum, right? So not everybody is in the same place along the way.
1: Right, right. But they have some receptivity, enough to come and ask and... Correct. right, but when you give talks to the general outside world, then I would imagine you're up against that psychology
2: well yeah, because you know if I try and put a wooden nickel in their slot machine it's not going to go in right. because they only accept the coins of the people who give them the coins mm-hmm. to go in uh, and this this way they completely give up all of their knowledge and all of their authority to those outside of us because they would never do anything to harm us is the hashtag. They would never do anything to harm us. And what's fascinating to me is that there's never been a time in history, Richard, where authoritarian leaders didn't harm people
1: it' It's pretty amazing, I mean it's radical examples of that all the time, so, and so I think if you had to condense down the psychology of what you're talking about, maybe you could call it blind trust in authority
2: Well I think it's a disconnection of authority to your own self and to your higher power
1: blind trust and false authority then
2: well, it's worshiping false gods and false idols right I mean we don't we don't have to go. Far into the Bible to understand How often that's happened in history
1: Yeah, and medicine is actually Just one example It's an institution of worship People assume that all the Authorities are trustable
2: Well, the ones that fit the Narrative that they're interested in, yes
1: Yeah, I mean all the fake authorities, right? Correct So if you look at the bigger picture of what's going on in the world Right now, and that this isn't All just happening by chance, it's a Program that you know, I mean, I spent decades trying to investigate and find out where that's going, and it looks to me like an intentional uh ritual sacrifice of all life on the planet, basically.
2: I, you know? I think there's some truth in that.
1: And if that's the truth, and, and that's an organized program, and the psychology is being intentionally used for that, I always am interested in solutions, you know. It's, it's like the only reason to know about all the bad things happening is to see the weak spots in the structure and where can it be turned around. Right. And I'm sure you've looked at the same thing. Right.
2: So I have a couple of thoughts on that. Um, One is when people are stuck in the information that they know, telling them your information is a failure.
1: Okay, right.
2: It's, It's point blank a failure. Because it's like taking a north pole of a magnet and another north pole of a magnet and trying to bring them together.
1: It's just if you enjoy arguing you can take that approach.
2: Well, it's not even an argument because it's a it's it's just flailing, it's 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 yelling, yeah. it's it's meanness, it's it's personal attacks.
1: Right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: So instead you have to find a way to South Pole the North Pole magnet. And yeah. The question is, how do you do that? And there are multiple ways. Um, One is, number one, you can't be confrontational. Right. Number two, you can't dump information on them. Number three, you have to be able to be okay with them not getting what it is that you are trying to share with them. Right. Right? So there's no convincing. There's no persuading. There's no browbeating. Right. Right? It has to be neutral, and it has to be from your heart. So one would say, uh, let's say you said to me, well, the COVID-19 injection is fully safe. So a North Pole to North Pole answer would be, no, it's not. Exactly. But a South Pole to North Pole answer would be, really? That's interesting. Interesting. Tell me more. Right. Right? So you welcome the person in, and you engage in the potential for conversation. And then you share your experience. You be able to say, I hear you, but I want to let you know that I have a different experience of information, and this is my experience. And then you put a point, a period, at the end of your sentence. Because real heart-to-heart connection says, I'm curious, I'm interested. Huh, what was your experience? But real dogma would not allow for the heart-to-heart connection. Right, right. So there are tons of people, Richard, Who know something's wrong. They just don't know where to go or what to do about it. And you don't want to slam it over the heads of people who say the COVID injection is safe, that they don't know what they're talking about, even though they don't know what they're talking about.
1: Right, right.
2: But you want to give them the understanding that there's more to think about and then back off.
1: And realize it may not be a complete reversal overnight.
2: Oh, no, but you have to plant seeds. Yeah. Right? You have to give people the, the possibility. But if you go in there with full barrels saying, you're going to take somebody from A to Z, you're going to lose. Yeah. You're going to lose, and they're going to fight back. And the reason they're going to fight back is because they know, whether it's conscious or not, that the information they have is not theirs. The information they have is based on a trust of an of a of a false god and a worshiping of a false idol that they've basically committed to and they can't show that they're basically a house of cards that they basically have nothing.
1: Yeah, that's extremely threatening.
2: Right. right? So yeah. you have to be able to meet them at the heart hmm. and be able to say even at the end, all right, well, I understand if you feel that this is safe, but you know with all the experience I've had and with all the research i've done, mm-hmm. I know that there's just more information that shows that that it's not safe so thanks for thanks for taking the time to chat. yeah, okay.
1: you know, what you're doing is staying conscious of the feeling between you right right and you're making sure that stays good yeah right. so with that in mind. Because this, this is like, to me, these are really important concepts and they're not just concepts, they're strategic issues because if you're in a position for whatever reason where you have a depth and scope of view of where things are going right now and you, your motive and your caring about the whole thing is you want humans to be okay because you're you're not really... In favor of unnecessary human suffering I mean, if you want to make it as simple as possible, right? Right Then, with the understanding that you just explained Knowing that most people are not ready to See that all of, all their beliefs are probably based on false assumptions Right And yet, there's a limited amount of physical time To turn around what's happening Without a lot more damage right? How do you blend those two understandings together? And then we'll look at specifics.
2: Well, the hope is that people can learn either from their own experiences or the experiences of others. Right. So if you can enter that conversation and share real-time experiences... Mm-hmm. You give them a chance to lean in. But you, you have to remember that ultimately we are all on our individual destiny. And we just have to be able to conserve and preserve our own truths and our own connections to our own higher powers. Mm-hmm. Hope that we meet enough people with whom we can synchronize those truths and those and those connections but the majority of people um are going to have to learn the way children need to learn which is through experience right and that's that's the unfortunate piece is that we have to watch people hurt themselves yeah and hurt others and and I will say that that becomes more challenging when I saw a clip just yesterday of people lined up to get a COVID injection. Mm-hmm. Someone was wheeled out on a stretcher, having had an adverse reaction and seizing, and oh. the people stayed online.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: Right. So, yeah. again, we don't know what reaches thresholds for people. Right. But we know that um, it's it's going to take a great deal of effort to be heart centered to be experiential, to be curious, to be willing to meet people and not beat them over the head with the information, yeah, and to be able to let go of the fact that their destiny is their destiny and not not necessarily hours to bear.
1: You know, I, I understand that <laughs> on a deep level, but when I see it happening, I still find it really hard to watch.
2: Because you're human, just like all of us. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, you have the heart, and you watch people do things that are massively destroying them, because you know that this injection is not a vaccine. You know that this injection has materials in it that are meant to maim, harm, and permanently damage you. You know that this injection was never meant to stop any kind of infection from happening. You know that thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are dying or permanently damaged from this shot. And that it, it goes unknown to the massive public
1: it's going to be called the next wave of a variant or something like that
2: well but you know that the material that they're injecting into the body is giving people the symptoms of covid Mm. that they're now calling another variant you know that i know that but again for people who are sucking on the teat of the false god and the false idol, they're going to go into greater panic and greater fear. And they're not going to look at the idea that the injection, which is never unsafe, would be causing any problems. Because then they have to look at all the psychology of how many years they've trusted that this is safe. And then what did they do to themselves? What did they do to others? How did they let this happen to them? I mean, just as an aside, how many families have children who were directly injured by vaccines?
1: A lot they more. Worshiping,
2: than- they, right. They were worshipping the false gods and false idols. Yeah. They, they thought that whatever the doctor said would be fine. And they went in and their lives changed forever because uh-huh. they never realized what they didn't know. Right. That's what we're dealing with now. We're dealing with the same mentality of people going in thinking they would never do anything to harm us. And what's most fascinating about this, Richard, not only are doctors and nurses refusing to make the connection, the media is not making the connection. The medical institutions are not making the connections for us publicly. The government is not making the connections for us publicly And anyone who gets ill from these shots, the insurance companies won't pay for damages to their health. If it's associated with the shot, because it's an experimental shot.
1: Well, you know, they're about to, they're looking at the strategy. I think the plan is probably around September to say, okay, it's not experimental anymore. Now it's approved and safe, officially safe. And they're going to force the military based on that. And, other people, and I, I think too much emphasis has been put strategic, strategically on the fact that it's unapproved, because they've approved all kinds of things which are deadly.
2: No, uh, it's approved. It's just not authorized.
1: Well, it can be authorized.
2: No, no I'm sorry. It's authorized. It's not approved. It's, it's my, not approved. Bad. my bad. Yeah. My bad. So
1: they can approve it. It doesn't make it any different than it is now. Sure. And at that point, it will be supposedly legal to force it in all kinds of situations.
2: Sure. Well, it's already legal to force it on all all situations, even though it's not legal because nobody's stopping it.
1: Yeah, and if you believe that declaring an emergency means you have no more rights,
2: well, the emergency that was created.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, even if you don't create a real emergency, if if you're president or some high officer and you just declare, or a health officer and you declare it, there doesn't have to be a real one. Your rights go away correct if you believe that
2: correct you know. you, even though this shot will never stop you from transmitting any germ from one person to the next no. in fact if anything this shot will make you transmit many of the materials that are injected into your body to others
1: yeah we have we have to talk about that for a couple of minutes but i wanted to mention that the other thing people say is well this shot is not really a vaccine well Semantics aside, even if you define all the ones before it as vaccines, I look back to Jenner, at least in about 1796, I can't really find any good evidence of vaccines preventing diseases. And it looks like they were killing and maiming people, especially kids, since Jenner. So. Again, we're putting emphasis on the fact, well, this isn't a real vaccine. And so many people who say that it's a problem are saying, well, if it was just a real vaccine, I'm, I'm not anti-vaccine or anything like that.
2: You well, know? this isn't a vaccine because the technology that's being used in these injections has never dem- has never been used to demonstrate any effectiveness at reducing any infectious disease at any time in human existence right so
1: yeah
2: there's no evidence that this works like a vaccine
1: at all plus it doesn't claim to have attenuated viruses in it or anything like that
2: well again but, it doesn't prevent a viral infection
1: right and the other thing that i think is you talked about elephants in the room and dead horses and stuff like that and one of the big elephants are dead horses. Is the foundation upon which all the numbers are based And that's a fake test
2: Oh, you want to go there, huh, Richard?
1: Uh, Well, we're already unauthorized anyway So, as far as, you know, media goes So, I, I think if you don't go there You're missing, like, one of the biggest central issues in the whole pandemic
2: So, I'm fascinated by What has happened to the scientific and the medical community When it comes to the PCR test, because it doesn't take rocket science to look into the understanding of what a PCR test could do and what a PCR test can't do. And so when you come up with a PCR test, which in and of itself for SARS-CoV-2 has never been developed against SARS-CoV-2 virus. It was extrapolated, not developed for SARS-CoV-2. But that aside, the PCR test cannot be a final diagnostic tool for a viral infection detection. The PCR test does not confirm any viral disease at all. All a PCR test could potentially do is tell you there's debris. Yeah. Period. And
1: it's a piece of of debris.
2: Well, it it, it cannot tell you where that debris comes from. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's what I meant.
2: The thing is that what most people are unaware of which is a skilled—it's uh, um, a skilled approach to keeping people dumb. Uh-huh. The human body has hundreds of trillions of viruses in the cells and on the linings of the body. Many of those trillions of viruses exist in the hundreds of trillions of bacteria that line the body. And so, we are always emitting viral debris, viral genetic material, whether it's in our mouth, in our nose, in our skin, in the vaginal canal in women, or in the anus. There's always viral debris. And so, you can never, ever decipher... Whether the viral debris you're detecting is something that you inhaled from outside versus manufactured from within that came up to the lining of your body. And this is basic science, Richard. This is not, like, I'm a pediatrician, and I know how to read, I know how to study, and I know how to learn the science that we were taught. And even the person who founded this test specifically said, this test is not meant to detect disease right. or infection.
1: And so that, that you that can is, find anything in anybody too.
2: Right. So that is being ignored. But then it gets even more nefarious when we realize that the number of times you spin the test, Mm-hmm can determine an outcome that you may or may not desire. And so for most of 2020, when PCR tests were done, they put it through what's called a cycle threshold. So they spun the test so many times that they essentially produced falsely positive results. And when you produce falsely positive results, you basically tell the public that a person has the infection, which they mm. can't use the PCR test to say, even though the person has no symptoms, which the literature fully explains that someone who has no symptoms is at 0% chance of causing an outbreak and getting other people sick. And so, once people started getting the injection, they turned the cycle threshold down. Right. And once they turned it down, they showed that all these people who were getting the injection are now negative for COVID nineteen. Right. But by turning it down, you you assured yourself of a negative test. Now,
1: a perfect test for that, actually.
2: Well, but what's fascinating is that. You can't tell this to people because they would literally say, oh, come on, they would never do that.
1: That's the thing. Yeah, exactly.
2: And so where do you go? Where do you go with the tremendous scam? Because we'll never know how many people truly had the definitive symptoms of a COVID-19 illness.
1: Is it true? Would you agree that there are two types of diagnostic approaches to determining if somebody supposedly has COVID-19? One is laboratory and the other is clinical by symptoms. And if you use the laboratory approach, which is the one that's publicized, the total number of COVID cases that have been diagnosed in the world is zero. And the only ones that we kind of know have happened are some kind of a syndrome right, that right. could be called that where your lungs work but you're not getting the oxygen correct, and correct. various things like that right
2: right now what's interesting is that when a pcr test is devised you have to come up with another test as a confirmatory test and they never did that
1: yeah that doesn't exist. So,
2: they they devised the, the PCR test, never actually studied it to see is this gonna give us false positives, is gonna give us false negatives. They just went ahead and implemented it again, never fully based on a SARS-CoV-2 virus. And so they never confirmed, they never found a test to confirm it. Mm-hmm. And COVID-19 is a very specific set of symptoms that presents not like the flu. Right. Because COVID-19 was never like the flu. And the doctors who were on the front lines when COVID-19 first presented spoke up and said, this is not a flu-like illness. And they were all censored and told to shut up. It's also not
1: something you want to use a ventilator on.
2: Correct because it's not a flu-like illness. right? And so once doctors started realizing that COVID-19 was a blood disorder and a blood clotting disorder, now how do you get from a respiratory virus called coronavirus, which causes respiratory disease, to now saying it's the cause of a blood disorder and a blood clotting problem? And basically, anybody who brings that up is censored because it doesn't fit the narrative of a a respiratory virus. What's SARS stand for? Severe, acute, respiratory syndrome. That's not how COVID presented. It presented as all of the manifestations of a blood disorder, hypoxia, and Mm -hmm. a blood clotting problem. And then all of the neurological problems, the long lung problems, the liver problems, the blood problems, the blood pressure problems, the heart disease, the male and female reproductive system problems, none of which make sense for it to be a respiratory virus.
1: What's really interesting about that is they found out that all the things you're saying would, would lead you in certain directions, but what they found out works among other things. There are a lot of things that work really well, but the ones that stand out are antiparasitical drugs, right. which I don't understand why that would be, but maybe you do.
2: So when, when, when I was trained in medical school and residency, we were taught to do something called a differential diagnosis. In other words, when you see patients presenting with a group of symptoms, it's your job to figure out all the things that could be possibly causing those symptoms Mm -hmm. so that you could figure out how to then go about treating it. And so when you see a person who comes in with adequate breathing, but poor oxygen, Mm -hmm. That's not a lung problem. Right. And so that's how we knew that this was a blood poisoning of some sort. And so when people started using hydroxychloroquine and then all around the world, ivermectin, the question that must be raised is why would a drug that treats parasites make the symptoms of COVID-19 improve? And why would these drugs actually prevent the illness from occurring in the first place? And so, again, it, it, it leads us to question, once we understand that Dr. Fauci was involved in something called gain-of-function research on coronavirus, Right. Then it gets very suspicious. When when he says in front of Georgetown University in January of two thousand seventeen there will be a surprise outbreak during the Trump administration. Yeah. Well, it's not a surprise anymore because I'm just gonna say you that. let the cat out of the bag and then you made people believe that it came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then you show that you've done you've participated in doing gain-of-function research on a coronavirus, and if you're going to do gain-of-function research on any organism, you are starting from the premise that the organism you're dealing with is benign, it's not fatal, and it can't hurt you. Right. But if you're doing gain-of-function research, you are purposely engaging in a procedure that will make that organism kill you damage you, or maim you, Mm -hmm. because it's made potent or virulent. Right. And so, again, that would go back to, well, why would they wouldn't do anything like that? That's not not possible. Well, it's not only possible, it's probable. And so, when you look at the symptoms that people are getting from COVID-19, you realize that This is not how a virus operates in the body. So what this is, is still unknown. But what it's causing are blood toxicity problems, blood clotting problems, and all of the features of what happens to the body when whatever it is affects the blood, the oxygen, and the blood clotting. And so, you know, we're, we're seeing some pretty serious symptoms of COVID-19, and then we find in the late part of 2020, science finally figures out that it's the spike protein that is causing all of this damage to the tissue. that's causing the blood problems, and the liver problems, and the lung problems, and the heart problems, and the brain problems. It's causing the the male and female reproductive problems because the spike protein is binding to all places in the body causing this damage. And so we know that the illness is caused by a spike protein. Then we find out that the spike protein is the gain of function material because the spike protein doesn't exist anywhere in nature other than SARS, MERS, and SARS-2. But then, why would you give an injection to people where you basically ask their body to manufacture spike protein?
1: Well, we know the justification that they give, which is totally illogical but it's what they give and they say that look this is going to be great if your body makes the spike protein then your body can conveniently make the antibody which disables the spike protein right. which so th- we all know is 100 percent effective and then you'll be safe forever and it's going to be great
2: well here are the two things that have never been established one does your body stop making the spike protein now the experts say Yes, but if you pick up under the rock, there's no study ever looking at whether or not the spike protein stops being manufactured in your body. The second part of that is, is the spike protein antibody only going to attack the spike protein? So, in other words, are there other tissues in the body that resemble the spike protein? And originally, earlier this year, a scientist showed that when he took 55 tissue samples of the human body Mm -hmm. and cross-reacted it with the spike protein antibody, 28 of the 55 tissues were attacked by the antibody. Now, I saw a recent article that show that there are many more tissues that the spike protein is going to the spike protein anybody is going to attack. And so we have the potential for ongoing and we're already starting to see autoimmune problems from the injections. And of course, people who never had any underlying condition are now developing autoimmune problems and the experts say not related to the shot even though they have no basis upon which to make that recommendation right. because there's no science
1: so i want to get more into the shot but just to leave the area of the covid 19 itself with the idea that Uh, reminding people it's not just the anti-parasitic drugs that have shown effectiveness against this syndrome it's also things like nebulized hydrogen peroxide vitamin d certain zinc combinations and uh, quercetin other things like that that seem to help and i don't personally know yet what's the connecting element between all those things and why they should work against that condition um, I assume that's still up in the air, right? We don't know.
2: Again, I mean, you have to know what it is that's hurting people.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and if it's the spike protein developed in its current um, function through gain-of-function research, then it's also kind of an interesting side note that that was made illegal by 1989 in the U.S. Correct. Francis Boyle wrote the Convention Against uh, Research in Biological Weapons. Correct. Which is just being violated as if it's not existing.
2: Well, again, even President Obama uh, out, you know, outlawed it from happening in the United States uh, in 2014, but it didn't stop; it kept going.
1: Well, yeah, and, and that may have been a motive for outsourcing it to another country as well. Correct, but, but so there's unanswered questions about. What the covid nineteen condition, which is only clinically diagnosable, really is, and there are just clues at this point, I guess I mean i don't know anybody that's put all the pieces together
2: well again, something is poisoning the blood uh-huh now something is something is poisoning the blood, and we don't know what that is something okay. is circulating in the body mm-hmm. that is creating brain damage, lung damage, heart damage, blood damage, liver damage, kidney damage, and male and female reproductive damage.
1: Now you're talking about the the condition, not the injection, right?
2: Both. They're both the same. Okay. That's why why I said to you, Richard, if you know that whatever is causing the syndrome of COVID-19 Again, most people are focusing on the spike protein. I have been very concerned that it's not just the spike protein right. that is that is hurting people, um, and you know stuff about graphene oxide and iron mm-hmm. oxide. Uh, you know all that's coming out, especially out of Spain about the graphene oxide. But right. if you are seeing the syndrome of COVID nineteen from whatever this is, and then you're seeing the same development of symptoms based on the injection then you could be pretty sure that whatever's in that injection is the same thing as what they created to get us sick in the first place
1: yeah yeah. so the injection that you were starting to get into um, they have this thing that most people haven't heard about in the US and it's called VARES. and there's a counterpart in Europe and probably other areas too and the best understanding that I have so far is that maybe one percent or up to ten percent maybe at the top level, unlikely, are of cases of vaccine reactions are reported to VARES or, or are publicized. And according to that, right at the moment, there's something over seven thousand deaths associated yeah. with the vaccine at this point at this shot.
2: Let me just give you uh, a little bit of a so, as of this past week, there are 15,472 reported deaths in Europe. Right. And 1.5 million injured, 50% of them serious. Wow. Oh. that's in the European Union's database oh. of adverse drug reactions for COVID-19 shots. And so, essentially there's supposed to be some kind of policy to stop any kind of procedure if you even get 25 deaths.
1: Well, what, weren't there elements of the Nuremberg Code that said, if anybody you know, is showing that this is dangerous, it has to be stopped? In right,
2: but number one, no one is following the Nuremberg Codes. And right. number two, nobody is successfully stopping, nobody is successfully showing the world that the neuroburn codes are being violated. And number three, no one is successfully able to stop this, this runaway train based on the violation of the run of the neuroburn codes. So that's the reporting in Europe. And I don't know what their percentage recording is either, but I don't think it matters when you're dealing with that level of death. I mean, and, and destruction in the United States, um, as of June 18, which I haven't seen the the, repeat, the recent ones, mm-hmm. there were 6113 deaths, and there were well over 300,000 reported cases of adverse reactions. And what's interesting is that that's what was reported to Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And so doctors and nurses and practitioners are obligated to report deaths, and adverse events from uh, the shots. And um, most doctors and nurses are not reporting the adverse events. I mean, I know on the ground, just from hearing from people from different states, with paramedics and nurses and doctors who are working in different parts of the country, they're not even asking the people who are coming into the emergency room if they got the shot but the paramedics and people, of the front line or the real frontliners, are finding out you have people in offices who are seeing patients who are not dying, but are seriously ill, mm-hmm. who are seeing one after another, after another, after another of patient who is seriously uh, sick from the shot. And again, it's like that el- dead elo- that dead horse on the front lawn. Mm-hmm. This ain't happening. None of this is happening. And so, of the numbers of theirs of deaths, if that's truly less than 1% of all deaths that are really happening, Mm -hmm. we're talking about over 600,000 deaths.
1: And a case where most deaths from this are supposed to be delayed by a couple of years anyway, right?
2: Well, of the deaths happening, I think a third of them are happening within 24 hours,
1: Right, but with some of the animals, like the ferrets, they they, they were months out.
2: Yeah, but I don't know that we're dealing with the same technology. Okay, okay. I don't know, because I don't know what was in those injections. That was just using the mRNA technology, but I I can't say for sure whether the injections were comparable in content.
1: Okay, okay. So we just go by what we see in the moment.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, we're seeing, you know, people drop like flies. And, you know, mainstream media are lying to the American people. Right. And I have this vision, Richard, that when the truth does come out, these men and women, these reporters, these so-called journalists are going to be running for their lives because... They are going to realize that they are complicit in a massive cover-up and a massive lie, and that the public is going to hold them ultimately responsible. And I think there's going to be a massive, massive overhaul of the media uh, in our country, the likes of which I don't even think we can imagine, because. We are being the American people are being lied to, and they are just I, the one of the expressions I've been using, which isn't pretty, is that the majority of Americans have no gag reflex in their throat. Mm-hmm. They just swallowing everything, hundreds of pounds of of information that they cannot even stop. They're just No gag reflex at all.
1: Yeah. When we look at the scope of the fraud right now, which I think is what makes it hardest for people to even imagine, because it's so comprehensive right now at the moment, Um, the whole media, the whole major health authorities, all through the government agencies, I mean, most of the corporations are supporting it. And I think you can really credit the modern education system which turns out people who memorize things that they think they've learned, to for the fact that most of the people within the system itself who are not running the show could actually sincerely believe they're trying to help the public. Absolutely. Most of, most of the public health officials, I think, are in that category.
2: Yeah, but, you know, again, it's not, uh, it's not a mystery that people are suffering at the hands of this shot—it's not a mystery.
1: It it's should be obvious, but I mean, people are we're... turning their
2: backs, Richard.
1: Before what? Sorry,
2: people are turning their backs on what's right in front of them because yeah, they, they get if you bring it. even even the published data, let's say let's say sixty-one hundred and thirteen is real. It's not less than one percent. Sure, sure. That that policy, that that whole program should be shut down now.
1: That's something like double the official 9-11 death figure.
2: Look, and then and then what parents are doing to give this their kids this shot. Um I uh I I w- we have a lot of praying to do for the aftermath of what's about to happen. After this is over, because we're going to see um, a lot of very unhealthy and a lot of very sick people. We're going to see a lot of young people who have a shorter life expectancy. Uh And we're going to see a lot of young people who are unable to reproduce. Yeah. And so grandparents are not expected in those people who give their children the shot. You need to prepare not to be grandparents. And if you don't believe me, store this crazy statement somewhere in the back of your head and yeah. just watch.
1: Right. And you can see the progression of policy and governments starting with the ones that seem to be in the forefront, like Australia, New Zealand, Canada, and to a lesser degree, the UK and and the US being the place where it catches up after a time lag, mm-hmm. and they all seem to be globally coordinated. Yes. And against the scope of that is what makes it really hard for people to look at. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, then what else that I believe is not true? And it's threatening, you know, emotionally threatening.
2: Well, I mean, people are going to be rolling in the streets in agony for what they were complicit in. And it, it's, you know, I, we all know how this ends. The evil never wins.
1: No, I know, but it's how long does it take to get to that and what do we have to do? I don't
2: know the threshold. No one knows the threshold.
1: Yeah, nobody I know
2: of. No one knows. And often the threshold is is a is a surprise. Like what, yeah. what really turns the tide is a surprise.
1: Something unexpected. Correct. Yeah. So, before we get into the bigger picture, and I hope I'm not exhausting you or keeping you too long, it's just, I think this is really important stuff, and this is not meant to be momentary entertainment, or even momentary theoretical education, it's supposed to be all geared to, we collect this understanding in what used to be known as science, you observe patterns, put it together as what it might mean. And then how can you use it you know, To do something positive Right. And I think before we get to summarizing the big picture I just want to look at The issue that a lot of people who are aware of Some of what you've been saying Are thinking They really need to do something about And that is the understanding Of what is this transfection Or, or transmission Phenomenon that's going on And what is it And what do you have to do about it If you are not a recipient of the shot, but you can't be out in the jungle with no other human contact.
2: Right. Information about what's being transmitted is still coming in. Um, originally, we wondered if it, were, if it was the spike protein that was being transmitted because we knew that it, it got into the saliva, we knew that it got into the urine, we knew that it got into the skin, uh, and we knew that it got into the feces, um, but we didn't know if anything else was being transmitted. And now, in uh, in a study that's being you know uh, coming out with Spain, they're talking about this this metal called graphene oxide.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, now, again, we don't we don't know. Uh, what are the properties of graphene oxide? Does it get transmitted from one person to the next? Is it only in the shot? Um, because it does, does have as, uh, as an uh, exposure to graphene oxide seems to be synonymous with a lot of the symptoms that we're seeing in people who are injected and those who are exposed to those who are injected. And You know, you're starting to see people throw out all these ideas about how to protect yourself from don't touch anybody who got the shot. Um, Don't let anybody who got the shot touch you. Uh, Keep, you know, try and avoid as much exposure to people who got the shot as possible. Um, And then you have all the people who, you know, say, well, if you just eat right and sleep right, and you have a good spiritual practice, you'll be protected. Um, a poison is a poison is a poison. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you, even the even the mightiest fall when they're poisoned, yeah. no matter how intact and strong and, and vital your spiritual practice is, um, I think more, more than that, it's just be aware that you are vulnerable, even at your highest vibration. Right. Even at your highest work, you are still vulnerable. No one gets out of here alive anyway. Yeah, it's just manner and time. Correct. No, so then you see people, well, take hydroxychloroquine prophylactically, Mm -hmm. take ivermectin prophylactically, take vitamin C prophylactically, vitamin D. Pine needle tea. Pine needle tea, fennel seed tea, dandelion tea. That was another yeah. Uh, study that came out about protecting us against SARS-CoV-2 whatever SARS-CoV-2 is um i again i, I don't know the answer um, you know you, you you know i did an episode on may 27th i think it was uh with the five docs where we all talked about remedies that you can use I remember, things you yeah. can do and and you know the The other thing was, you know, what about the electromagnetic radiation? What about the, you know, and again, people say, oh, 5G. I'm like, well, hold on a second. 5G is just one piece of it, but they're a pulsing of electromagnetic radiation Mm -hmm. that could create some of the activation or the problems with oxygen and red blood cells. So, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi, for goodness sake. You know, right. get get as far away from 5G cell towers as you can yeah. and start doing things to lessen your exposure to the intense pulsations that have been going on regarding um, uh, the electromagnetic fields. Turn your breaker off at night.
0: Mm-hmm. Get
2: get uh, a dirty electricity filters. Um, make sure that you're... Home environment where you sleep is well protected from the stimulation. Get your cell phones out of your bedrooms. Get your laptops out of your bedrooms. Certainly, don't keep that stuff near your ears and near your your body. Right. Uh, don't put your kids or anyone near the Wi-Fi router. Turn the Wi-Fi router off at night. You know, yeah. these are all things that you know. And I don't want to hear people say, "Oh, but." We have to be able to live. You know, (laughs) Richard, I'm going to say this right into the camera. Okay. We are at war. Yeah. Let me say it again. We are at war. Yeah. You know, families who are at real war, they don't worry about whether or not they're going to get their kid into school or get them to soccer practice. If there are bombs landing in their towns, they're fleeing They're going into the bunker. They're worrying about staying alive and preserving their lives.
1: Not living in virtual reality so much.
2: Right. And so if you're worried about all of these material things, which I will say after this comes about, after we resolve this, we're going to have a very different relationship to the material world because our attachment to the material world and having things the way we want them, they're really going to change drastically. Uh, They can't not because we are in this mess because of our connection to such a materialistic world and our lack of connection to what's really more important, which is a higher power, ourselves and each other.
1: And technology doesn't have to be poisoned. I mean, you can invent... Um, a That's lot right. of good technologies that are actually human friendly.
2: That's correct. But Use we have different. we have gone to an extreme. Yeah, I mean, I've seen, you know, even before COVID-19, I would see kids who had excess nosebleeds. And I'd say to the parents, how much are they on electro- uh, how much are they on electronics? Yeah. Oh, a lot. Where's the Wi-Fi router? Oh, it's close to the bedroom. Oh, what do they do with their cell phone? It's right near their bed. Right. Cut right. the Wi-Fi. Reduce their electromagnetic radiation exposure. And guess what, Richard? Their nosebleeds go away. And everyone would say, oh, that's a coincidence.
1: Coincidence, right. Okay. They also have routers that are wired routers. And if, you're, if you look at them carefully, you can get one that does not have the Wi-Fi part, or it can be disabled. And those work, those work fine. They do. They just don't work with things that you can't wire. Correct. So to leave the subject of the transfection or whatever you want to call it, you're saying it's mostly unknown, and we don't know if it's airborne at this point from someone's breath, right?
2: Well, I think there's something that's expressed. I just don't know if it's the reason you get sick because it's airborne. I know that skin-to-skin contact is definitely a way of transmission.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, what they didn't achieve through mandatory social distancing, they may achieve on some of the people who didn't want to go along with that by learning about the transmission, right?
2: Well, you know, if you do a deeper dive into the literature, you'll find that there's an understanding of using this technology as self-spreading vaccines. Right. So it's a way to inject others without injecting them. And the sad part is that, you know, when you look at why they use self-spreading vaccines, uh, you realize that... Um, it's
1: because it, of those uh, bad anti-vaxxers, isn't it?
2: Well, no, it's be- it's for the sole purpose of depopulation.
1: Well, yeah but I mean, if you want to get that into everybody, you want to get it into the people who won't get the vaccine too
2: maybe maybe who knows if they have plans for those those who don't get the shot
1: yeah it's a good question. I mean what i since we're being completely unacceptable in this broadcast anyway, and okay. we'll have some creative ways to disseminate it um, when I really spent. You know, decades trying to dig in What's at the base of the whole thing I came to what I mentioned to you at the beginning Which was this ceremonial sacrifice That is not trying to kill everybody overnight Clearly Because they have the technology to do that And they're not doing it It's a very specific protocol That I think is far above the levels of money and power In the usual conventional sense And is basically satanic And what they're looking at is a suicide mission Because they're killing the life support systems of the planet And you don't do that if you plan for a remnant to survive And I think they have to follow their protocol exactly And what I'm looking at is, okay, as usual, solutions Potential solutions from everything we've looked at and more And I think it's a consciousness issue Because our normal state goes along with normal abilities That we've forgotten long ago And if those can be reawakened then the population can act differently, but it would be good to do it before everybody is victimized by these technologies. Well, again,
2: um, that that may be that that may be more than wishful thinking. I mean, look back at the time of Noah. I mean, if that truly is, you know, a true story, everybody died except Noah and his family.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it didn't talk about it in the Bible, but Noah might have felt kind of bad about that. Wishing that, you know, he could do something to yeah, change that scenario. But,
2: but again, I mean, we can't assure survival of anything.
1: That's true. That's true. And, and we're only seeing death of the bodies anyway. But
2: Right. You but know, you know as well as I do, Richard, that if people do start dying, it's going to be blamed on another virus, even though there was no virus to begin with.
1: Well, look at the new variant it's perfect
2: it's not a variant it's people are getting sick from the shot, and that's oh, yeah. what's creating their illnesses
1: yeah, yeah, so you know to come to a kind of a bottom line with all this, um, what I get from what you're saying, trying to condense it down to you know the sum of the whole thing, um, a lot of things are unknown we're We're learning as we go watching. The progression of what happens here, with especially with the shots, but the psychology is so professionally integrated into the system that you do have to do what you're talking about. Except the fact that you're probably not going to convince anybody to do anything really different than they're ready to do. Um, So, for the people that do have a feeling for what's going on. At best, it'll create some kind of a remnant in that kind of scenario, right? Right. And then there's the question of what the new world will look like.
2: Right. Well, what the new world will look like will come. Yeah. Um, I I think that uh, it'll be silly for us to plan. Right. Although it would be nice if we can start building new medical systems, new educational systems, new banking systems, new legal systems, new uh, political systems that, that don't dovetail off the failing systems that we have now right and i know that there are people all over the world who are engaged in in this in this uh perspective yeah but i also i also want to encourage people to stay in the light and to stay connected not only with a higher power but to stay connected with other people um the thing that Mm -hmm. they're trying to do to us is separate us divide us and isolate us. Yeah. And we know that the vibration of truth wins. The vibration of love and truth wins. Right. And that the coming together of people in truth is strong. And that's why the social isolation and that's why the masks are being implemented to right. keep people from congregating and being together, because when people come together and congregate, oh boy, that's where people mobilize. And they don't want their quote unquote truth seekers to mobilize, because that would work against the plan. And, you know, mm-hmm. we may end up in civil war in this country, who knows? I mean, It's possible, Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that if you look around the world, the United States is the only country that has essentially not fallen in the industrialized world. And as soon as it does fall, we know that things will be pretty much in the new world order. I mean, that's, that's Klaus Schwab's Desire. I think he's going to have a major orgasm if that happens.
1: It's on the edge right now.
2: Right. But we need our people to be we the people. We need our people to be curious, to be uh, willing to listen, to willing to be uncertain, willing to be unknown, willing to listen, willing to see life through other people's eyes and try to bring a dialogue, a discussion, a debate, some kind of interaction that's going to allow for information to really blossom and not be either or. Um, Because, um, you know, we've lost our freedoms in this country, whether people know it or not. And uh, the media is not the place to go to get our freedoms back. Our legislators are not the place to go. Our judicial system, not the place to go. Yeah. It's already all bought. It's yeah. already all controlled. It's already taken over. Yeah. Even even some of the major medical institutions that were holistic or alternative, they have gone by way of the narrative. So they have been bought up and they have
1: even even naturopathic colleges are in that
2: naturopathy institute of functional medicine anthroposophic medicine you have you have people in all different fields that are no gag reflex just yeah. continuously you know swallowing what the narrative is and we just need to keep building people's confidence to speak up to share their information, share their experience, share it in a way that's heartfelt rather than in a, you know, you're an idiot, you don't know anything. Uh, you uh-huh. know, well, if somebody said to me, well, you're a conspiracy theorist. Oh, really? Well, what does that mean? I don't understand that. Can you explain that to me? You know, bring them in, have them explain themselves. Right. Because, you know, when someone once called me an anti-vaxxer, I said, I don't understand what that term means. Yeah, that's what, great. What, Explain it to me. I don't understand it. And personally, I I, I was just unable to fully explain it. And the
1: question is, can they see themselves being unaware of what they're talking about? I don't know. We have an incentive to
2: trade.
1: It's individual, I guess. But I think the message that comes from you that's so valuable and powerful is that those qualities that you just listed, which are about you know, what waking up should really be defined as not being able to just list all the bad things happening, but change the qualities that you're living. And that's coming out of you. It's really obvious. And I think for people to take a, a message from that, it's that those qualities are in them too. They just need to be uncovered right. or waked up. Right. and When that happens on a bigger and bigger scale, that could start a pandemic on the positive sense of consciousness.
2: We're we're moving in that direction. We just don't know what it will look like or yeah. how we're going to get there.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um before we go away here if people want to stay in touch with what you are putting out because we're in a learning curve right now and there's going to be more and more information about this whole situation that can be shared at least on some platforms how do they watch and stay up with what you're doing
2: okay so thank you for that i have a website at the i have a website at northportwellnesscenter.com you can also go to drpalevsky.com, and it'll direct you to the northport wellness center i have a an instagram uh, page drdr.palevsky. i have a telegram uh, page i have a MeWe, an odyssey um, i'm sure i have other things that I'm not even aware of that people around me are putting up for me. Um, I have a newsletter that I put out every month that can be uh, um, accessed by going to my website. Uh, you can sign up for my newsletters if you want. I have tons of videos, interviews, podcasts, articles on my in my newsletters that ta- uh, express some of the things that I've said and others. Um, and I also have a show that I do. Every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time called Critically Thinking with Dr. T and Dr. P, um, where Dr. Tenpenny and I go through subjects of the day, and uh, we do uh, Q&As, questions and answers. And we also have one, one episode a month where we do the five docs, and we talk about pertinent information of the day.
1: Um, okay, and where do you see that broadcast?
2: Um, Again, it's on uh, Vaxter.com, V-A-X-X-T-E-R. It's on Rumble. Uh, It's on uh, Podbean. Dr. Tenpenny has it at uh, Tenpenny Files on Podbean. I have it in my newsletters, and uh, it goes on my Instagram page. It also goes on my Telegram page.
1: Are are the newsletters something you can sign up to get by email? Yes. And where is that? At or Correct
2: dot oh. com.
1: Those are the same website, basically. Yeah,
2: DrPolevsky.com will will send you to com.
1: Okay, that's great, because I think as we go forward, these sources of actual honest information are going to get really valuable. They already are. So, incredible. Okay, so hold on and we'll say goodbye in the break here, and hopefully we'll get to talk again. I, I would like to do that. So Thank you. Okay. Okay, you guys, there goes Dr. Larry Pilevsky, and um, I just feel like we're really fortunate to have these incredible people come on, learning a lot from it, and even over and above all the intellectual facts that we're learning, medical information and things like that, is the example of courage and honesty and morality in Professions like medicine, you know, where it's not always so evident, and the same applies to every other profession. There are there are people in these positions that actually have values that they're trying to live by and help people and not just get famous and rich from whatever they're doing, and um, Dr. Pilevsky is a great example of that. I don't have a lot to add. I think that we just need to keep supporting each other and... Um, like he was saying at the end keep the connections don't don't uh don't become totally isolated with this idea of social distancing and being afraid of everybody although you know he would say for sure that there's some unknown transmission that really is happening from people that get the shots um and it's causing a lot of damage and he's been subject to it personally too so we know that. So it's a challenge and you just have to stay wide awake and uh, be aware of it with people who have already had the shot and be aware of the degree of contact that you have um, as a precautionary measure until we know what's going on. Um, and the people who see through all the scam and especially what's going on in a global scale, because it's not, it's not confined to individual countries. It's very clear that. There's a global control system in place because the coordination between the different countries and cultures is incredible. And they're really making use of the, the principle that the bigger the lie, the more people will believe it. This, this lies bigger than any coordinated scam I've seen or read about in our known history. I think this is the biggest coordinated attack on not just humanity, but life on our planet that we've seen up to now. And the only thing I know about, you know, potential solutions for it is consciousness among at least some, you know, noticeable portion of society in all countries. And that's what we're, we're trying to, um, facilitate with the meetings in Planetary Healing Club. It's planetaryhealingclub.com. If you're interested, that's an access point to it. Those are interactive private group meetings that you can be part of if you want to every week on Saturdays, half an hour after the Lost Arts Radio live show ends. Let's see, that would put it at uh, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, if I'm correct. uh, LostArtsRadio.com has uh, links to it, but so does PlanetaryHealingClub.com. And we'd be happy to see you there. Doug and I are there every week. And I'll usually talk for the first part, share information that is sensitive or useful or both in some way that you can uh, benefit from. And then we'll have an interactive uh, chat, Q&A and uh, comments, interesting questions, stuff like that. it's, It's really, if you're interested in transforming your own level of awareness and your conscious experience of life and your physical health, then it could be useful for you, planetaryhealingclub.com. And um, the other thing is, if you want to help us stay on the air and get our projects funded, um, consider donating at lostartsradio.com. There's a uh, donate button on the website at lostartsradio.com or lostartsresearchinstitute.org or at Subscribestar.com slash radio. And only if you have resources that are available for that. If you're struggling with money, please don't do that. But um, help us spread the links, because we're under uh, definitely shadow banning and censorship. And if you share it, it'll really help us out a lot. But the main message is take care of yourself. Learn about physical health follow the real rules of health that are not talked about in the medical system and uh, build up your natural immunity, work on your thought patterns, your consciousness in general. That We do that in Planetary Healing Club, but you could do it on your own. You can do it with a friend. You can do it. It just means becoming aware of where your thoughts and attention are. That's very powerful and it has a massive impact on your life. So, most people are completely unaware of where their thoughts are all day and their emotions especially. Those are hidden controllers of life circumstances and effect on other people, things like that. It's good to become aware of that and learn how to use it. And then um, remember, too, the websites that Dr. Pilevsky left, which is com and northport northportwellnesscenter.com. Both of those go to the same place, and um, get on his newsletter. I'm going to sign up for it for sure. And they also have this weekly radio show on Baxter.com with Dr. Palevsky and Dr. Tenpenny, both of which now have been on our show and are definitely worth listening from, listening to, and learning from. We we just have to help each other and you know work on our own state of being, our health, our consciousness. Don't fall for the media campaigns of hating people because of race or or what sex they are or, you know, their social status or how much money they have if they're rich or poor or, you know, different skin colors. That's We're not really that dumb to fall for any of that stuff. And if you're in one of these racist groups that's saying, you know, only white people are good or only black people are good or brown people are yellow or red... I mean, rise beyond it, start maturing, and this is an urgent situation in the world where um, more grown-ups are needed and we don't have very many, and you're the most important one. You know, the part of the media uh, propaganda is that you can't do anything. You're only one person out of 8 billion or whatever the number is now. That's completely not true. You're incredibly powerful. As a channel of what flows through you From spirit or from God I'm not talking about what religion you are If you're an atheist it does. That same power is there regardless It's like law of nature If you get in touch with that You start benefiting from it and, before, and then you share it with everybody else Not by telling them what to do But even if you say nothing Just by who you are So I'm encouraging You to use the time well You can be working on that while you're doing anything else. You don't have to wait for a time when you have a peaceful minute to work on yourself. You do it all during the day and it'll radically affect your experience of your lifetime, whatever happens. And we need to encourage and help each other and helping yourself is the first necessary step to being able to do that. So stop, check where you are, get a better health program, see how you're interacting with people and make it better. Um, it's going to be powerful effect on everybody in your life. So anyway, that's about it. And uh, thanks for being with us. It was kind of a long show. I appreciate your hanging out till the end. And um, take care of yourself. That's the message. And you're greatly appreciated as the most important person in this movie with incredible potential. So... We should use it and help each other. Take it easy, have a good week, and we'll meet you here next time.
3: Introducing Lost Arts Radio on Subscribestar.com. Just go to Subscribestar.com slash Lost Arts Radio to find our rewards program offering 10 different giving levels starting at just 5 bucks a month. We offer incredible value for any rewards level. From extra monthly interview videos not available publicly, to subscription-based Planetary Healing Club videos once, twice, or three times a month, to private counseling sessions with Lost Arts Radio host Richard Sachs, to tech help with me, Doug Diamond. We even have one option where you can be the star on Lost Arts Radio as our guest on a specially produced show just for you. We conduct an interview with you and broadcast it to our growing network and listenership. Our subscribe star levels are one of a kind, and offer great rewards for any budget. Please help support Lost Arts Radio. We can't do it without you. With increasing censorship on many of our channels, we really need your support today to keep doing what we're doing. As Richard says, we're not even at survival level yet. Lost Arts Radio has three weekly shows. Lost Arts Radio Live each Saturday night at 7.30 Eastern, 4.30 Pacific, which is a live stream currently on multiple platforms in case we get banned from some of the larger ones. Right now, we're on Facebook Live, Twitch, and DLive. You can access these broadcasts by going to www.lostartsradio.com slash live for all the links to those channels. The Planetary Healing Club meets right after Lost Arts Radio Live at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights. And our Sunday show with guests airs at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, on Sunday nights, on our Blog Talk Radio channel, our YouTube channels, Facebook pages, and on Brideon. Be sure to sign up for our free email list just in case we do get banned on Big Tech's platforms. It's just a matter of time, really. They don't like the stuff we talk about, and they do not want the truth out there. In fact, they have already attacked us numerous times. Join our free email list so we can let you know where we are and how to access our shows. The sign-up button is right on the top right on most pages of our website. The best starting point for all things Lost Arts Radio is our main site, lostartsradio.com, where you can find the hottest news selection videos that we curate just for you. Those are on the homepage and added to daily, as well as articles and breaking news about information you really need to know. Our show archives, the 10 most recent shows, are right on our homepage, as well as our Blog Talk Radio page at blogtalkradio.com slash Radio. Or just click the All Things Radio Show tab right on our website. We're in the podcast directory on iTunes, and all of our shows except the band ones are on our YouTube channel, at Lost Arts Radio. Our Brideon page is really taking off, and we often have Editor's Picks videos right on their homepage. Visit brighteoncom channel slash Lost Arts Radio. On our site, you can also access our free listener forum as well as sign up for the Planetary Healing Club, which is just $25 a month, where you get private access to a one-on-one interaction with host Richard Sachs and myself and the other club members who participate live. More info can be found at planetaryhealingclub.com. We're providing solutions in there to make the world a better place. Come join us. Stay tuned because up next, you'll get to hear a really great song by an independent artist that we're doing our best to support. Go to lostartsradio.com slash music for the full list of all the great songs and bands that we spin on our audio-only podcast shows. If you're in a band and want to submit a song for consideration for airplay on Lost Arts Radio, visit my website at diamonddiscaudio.com for more information about the music placement, mastering, and mixing work that I do. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Lost Arts Radio. We love having you as part of our family to learn, experience, and grow with.
0: to do